Welcome to The Pursuit, a podcast produced by the Junior Board of the Chicago Midwest Chapter of the National Academy of Television Arts and Sciences, otherwise known as NADES. We're a group of emerging media professionals seeking insight from leaders in our fields. Hi, I'm Carmen Vincent, a video producer, editor, and documentary filmmaker from Northwest Indiana, and I'm your host for this episode. Today, I had the honor of speaking with creative marketing extraordinaire, Wade Bretsky, about his career as CEO of We Create Media, a creative marketing agency located in Valparaiso, Indiana. I can't wait for you to learn from his stories and words of wisdom, so let's jump right in. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Pursuit Podcast. It's such an honor to have you here today, Wade. Thank you for being here. Pleasure. Thanks for having me out. To begin, the purpose of this podcast is to gain insight from industry leaders in the media industry and film and TV industry about the pursuit of our crafts, because I'm sure, as you know, every you know career journey is different. So it's really helpful for emerging creatives like myself and the folks who listen to this podcast to gain insight from people like you who are doing the thing and doing it so well. I'm excited to ask you, uh, Wade, what's your origin story? Wow, that's a good question. And Carmen, it is a pursuit and I'm still on a pursuit. So I appreciate that. Um, So origin story, where do you want me to begin? Yeah, I think a good question to think about is like, what was the moment you knew this is what you were going to do for the rest of your life? Like, this is your purpose. Yeah, well, that's really interesting. So there's a couple things there. You know, how do I how do I make people smile every day? How do I how do I bring joy? And and you know, through that, my pursuit has been to create opportunities to tell people stories. Right? How do I translate something that you know is within you to the world? And so um, when it comes to when did that start, man? I, I mean, it started in elementary school. Looking at you, I don't know if you ever watched Full House, but like yes, <laughs> legit. Like back in the day, I remember. As a child, my mom, Jess, Uncle Jesse and Joey had like an like an ad team duo thing. And my mom looked at me at nine years old and said, that's what you're going to be doing one day, you know? And so uh, for me, a lot of my origins about how do I um, take what is so obvious to me and, and so great about people and be able to tell people about who they are, what their business stands for and how, how we can utilize their service or their destination or their product and tell the world about what they're so passionate about, hopefully better than they know how, because they're, these people are great at their product. They're great at their destination or their, or their store or who they are. Now it's my job to translate that, right? Yeah. So a lot of that started actually young, like I mentioned, but really where I got most of my inspiration is actually in the music world. And so I started in high school, started playing in bands and started playing in other things like that and getting into college. And so I ended up at a lot of different events and those events then led to me actually pursuing the art of, and it's going to sound funny, but uh, pursuing the art of DJ. And so I became a DJ early on. And really talk about reflecting somebody's personality outward. I was there to serve. I was there to create an atmosphere and an energy that best represented that client. And how do I do that to a group of three, 400 people, 5,000 people? It didn't matter. How do we bring that to life? And, and what am I doing to, to create that? And so that's, that's a lot of where my background was in events, producing those. All of a sudden, those events needed videos. Those videos needed branding, that branding needed advertising. And that's how we ended up at where we're at today. Amazing. I love how you tied in that role as a DJ, being attuned to your audience and how you're translating their energy into something that resonates with them and that being 
very similar to what you're doing now with telling people's stories and marketing. Honestly, everything I've learned was as a DJ uh, and, and it's <laughs> kind of an insane thing to say, but you know, one day maybe we'll write a book about how that's propelled everything uh, now and into the future. So I have a huge passion for music and yeah. it's still part of my life, but yeah, I just get to do it in a different way now. I love that. So listeners who have a passion for music, maybe DJing is your way to get into the creative world. Call me. That's... I'll get you guys going. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. I love that. So then how did DJing translate into marketing? Because I think as a creative person, you have so many options on how to express, you know, your creative mind. Where where did that translate to marketing and then eventually to 27 Entertainment and then we create media, um, yeah. these businesses you started? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. So where, where it started was music, in my opinion, has the ability to influence your mood, has the ability to influence your energy and your presence. And so um, marketing has the ability to influence where you spend your time, your energy, and your money. And so where did that start translating was my job as a musician was to bring the energy and the mood of whatever's happening in that moment and elevate it. Same thing on the marketing side. So what am I doing to take what you're doing as a person who is creating a product, creating a service, a restaurant, whatever, uh, whatever it can be, and bringing that into a light in which best reflects that the energy that we're trying to trying to go after. And so between that and then obviously like a lot of grind, uh, hustle and like mm -hmm. reading and you know everything from podcasts to audiobooks and uh, everything between just taking the time to really dive into really how do you serve people? And that's really at, at the core, no matter what you're doing, you got to realize that it's not about you. It's about who is on the other end of that. Sort of serving others with your creative skills. And it's very clear that you do that with a lot of heart and soul, which I think is why you're so successful in the work you do is people see that there is genuine, authentic intentions behind it. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Very cool. Yeah. So as I was doing some research on your background, I noticed that you got a degree in communications and business. And I think sure. that's a really interesting dynamic or dynamic duo to talk about because some of our listeners may be wondering what to major in as a creative person. So sure. can you talk about why you majored in both communications and business? Yeah, well, Carmen, I actually, I thought I was going to be a, a doctor to start. So wow. um, you could actually think organic chemistry for making me change directions here. So the degree side of thing, that's a really, that's a really interesting question. The reason I pursued that in full transparency was because I, I went on the like pre-med track, didn't make it, you know, it, it, it wasn't for me and um, had to pivot. And the, I was like, how do I get a degree as quick as possible? It was actually the communications route that ended up, um, number one, suiting me really well. Had some really great professors that really influenced my life and um, gave me really solid direction. And, and it was uh, in those moments where I realized that, hey, if I could present something to a group in front of people, that's where I was great. I wasn't the, the, the book smart test taker, make sure all the answers are perfect. It was, I'll opt for the oral presentation 10 times out of 10. And so um, when I say pursuing a degree, what I think a degree did for me was it matured me. I feel like taking those years at co in college, those four years to kind of fine tune uh, my skill set, but also I started the business when I was in school. And so 
I had to balance the school life. I was working full time as well as starting this business. And what it did for me was it gave me the ability to be a little bit more methodical with my approach. And I couldn't pursue it all at all at once, no matter what I had to balance that with what life was giving me. And so the university, you know, it opened up a network for me that I never realized would be a thing. It, uh, it slowed me down and it, the immaturity that I probably had at 18 versus 22, 23 really helped me from the standpoint of, I probably would have fell right on my face if I would have just been like 18 and I'm doing this. I'm not saying Mm -hmm. the listener is going to do that. I'm saying that for (laughs) me personally, I needed that time to grow up. So when I think about a degree, I think about what are you not necessarily doing with the degree, but what are you doing during that time of pursuing your degree. Mm. So if it's, Hey, I think I really like visual storytelling. So I'm going to create videos. All right. How am I integrating that into my life? Or I'm a fan of music. Where can I be a part of something bigger than what I have going on? And it's, it's about not just the degree, but what you're doing during that time of degree. And I feel like that's what put us out ahead coming out of college. It was not the fact that I had a piece of paper. It was the fact that I had a piece of paper in four years of trying, failing, succeeding, and failing again before getting into business. Absolutely. And I think that's such a wonderful spin on this word failure that can paralyze a lot of us that you were on track for pre-med and it didn't work out, but you found (laughs) your passion. I mean, thank God it didn't work out, right? Right, exactly. Um, and And that you knew your strengths and that it was like interpersonal communication and, and public speaking and just charisma and telling people stories. And, and you turned that into a meaningful experience while getting your degree, instead of having the degree as the end all be all the only purpose you're there. So I think that's really useful advice just for people exploring higher education and what that could mean for them. And it doesn't have to mean the same thing as it does for everyone else. So I appreciate that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Very cool. So, so you started your business in college. What does that look like? Can you tell me about that journey for you and, you know, maybe a couple lessons you learned along the way? Gosh. Yeah. So uh, as young as I look, it was a while ago. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let me think back. I think people love the idea of starting their own business. And then they like, what business should I start? What this should I do? What you got to realize at the end of the day, a business doesn't happen unless you have a customer. So the first thing you need to do if you're pursuing an entrepreneurial minded thing is define your customer so that you could figure out how to do one of two things to them. You can innovate for them, provide a better solution, something that you can do better, more effective at a better cost in a more personal way, whatever that is. What are you doing to serve a customer? So you're innovating for that customer and then you're marketing to that customer. So you as a video editor saying, hey, you know what? I wonder if WeCreate ever has overflow. I should talk to Wade, blah, blah, blah. Or I've really got to know that financial services want to do more LinkedIn video. So I can offer that service. So what are the things that are, who's your customer? How are you innovating for them? And then what are you marketing to them? That's the baseline. I think so many people want to start a business. They just want to be an entrepreneur, but they don't know how to define what they're going to do. A lot of people say, well, how am I going to do that? The how is not the question. It's the who. So defining your who and then figuring out how to create more of more who's, that's how you do it. People are like, how do you start a business? It's like sell something. If they buy it, you have a business. If they don't buy it, you don't have a business. 
It's that simple. Spoken from a true creative marketing expert on how to yeah. creatively market yourself. I love it. Yeah. Um, I know just from experience, a lot of my creative friends have a hard time marketing their services in a commercial way because they feel like they're quote unquote selling out or sure. not being their authentic artist selves. But it's so important to know that you're not, you're doing it for your customer and not, yeah. you know, not necessarily for yourself um, all the time. So uh, kind of along that line, if you don't mind me asking you a kind of taboo question, I think um, the money conversation, setting mm -hmm. your rates. I think that is one of the hardest things starting out as a, a creative freelancer or owning your own business is how to price yourself. Do you have any advice on going about that seemingly yeah. impossible um, conundrum? <laughs> Well, I think, I think it's matching what value you're not setting a price for you. You're setting a price for what value your customer has. You know, if you're a video editor and you're trying to help them, what are you trying to do for that business? You're trying to get them more sales. I'm creating a video for you so you can go out and market yourself better, more effectively and sell more insurance or more cars or more bubble gum. I don't know. Right. Yeah. And so what value does that bring? I think people are like, well, I'll charge $50 an hour, I'll charge $250 an hour. In the end, it's not about what you're worth to yourself. It's what, what you're worth to your customer. And mm -hmm. so in the end, if you find a rate that is like, Hey, this particular audience can afford X and get a return of Y it's over, you know? And so in the end, it's a math equation of how valuable it is to the client and how much value you're bringing to them versus them doing themselves how much time and effort it's going to take to gain that customer if you're doing a creative service and what unique strengths you're bringing. And um, I tell my team all the time, there's two things that you need to do uh, when acquiring and, and pricing in general is if you're challenging somebody to be better or to do something different and you're educating the minute that you're just sitting down with somebody saying, Oh yeah, that makes sense. Yes, yes, yes. You guys are in alignment and agreement and that's wonderful, but you're not different. And so you need to start challenging. You need to start um, objecting to things. You need to start setting a really great vision for people. And those are the things that are going to attract new clients, new business to you. And then you're going to be able to set the rate out what that value looks like for that end user. Yeah. And gosh, that was such a valuable way to look at it is the value you're bringing instead of just like maybe a market rate or a single flat rate. It, it sounds like you have to test the waters at first to really get a sense. And you're going to have to do things for is. free. You know, like you're going to have to do like, I can't tell you how often, you know, early on where I was like, I'm just going to show up um, it's kind of like a Bruno Mars song. It's like, don't believe me, just watch. Like, yes. okay. <laughs> like, listen, let me do this and we're going to get this. Or, you know, sit on a board for, if you're into nature, go do sit on a parks board or a committee and start creating video content for that particular nonprofit or that church or that dog rescue, mm. whatever it is they start seeing that return. There's a huge network there. And so it's yeah. uh, the, the, the common terms, like your net worth is as much as your network. Right. And so if you're able to start pairing what you love with the network of people who need those services, it's over. Love that. And I'm very glad that the DJ and you brought forth a Bruno Mars lyric and a very great <laughs> one at that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love the attitude behind it. Um, so when taking free work, I mean, folks still have to survive and thrive. Do you recommend having you know, more of a 
a sellable skill like video editing where you can take a gig or two on the side? Or do you have any thoughts on folks who have to do like a normal nine to five to be able to start out creative work on the side or? Yeah, I mean, um, so not only did I work full time through college on a different job, right? Not in any of these worlds. Oh my goodness. Uh, and then I I got a normal job out of college, you know, mm-hmm. like I, I was a grant writer. I had my nine to five. I spent two years doing that while building my business. I don't know if I took a paycheck for the first three years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I got paid. Yeah. But I had got paid and I bought equipment. I got paid and I bought a computer. I got paid and I I think that the overnight success thing is it's, it's a myth, you know? Yeah. And so I'm not saying go out there and do a bunch of free work and it all come back. I'm saying find the right work that you're passionate about that will allow you to submit your craft in a way that is so unique. And that dog kennel may never be able to pay you, right? Mm-hmm. The, the rescue may never be able to pay you, but they might have a board of directors that you're like, Hey, I've always wanted to work for this particular person. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then all of a sudden that starts growing. And before you know it, you're doing, you're doing your thing. But I'll tell you that first three years of 27 entertainment. Yeah. No pay, no payment came to me. We got paid. Don't get me wrong. We got money in the bank, but we, it went right back into investing in the business. Yeah. We create same thing. First couple of years, honestly, negative money because it was just the way it worked, but now it's built into something. And as we start launching other ventures and other things that we're a part of, it's not a short-term game. It's where do do I want to be five years from now, 10 years from now, 25 years from now, and how do I get there? And it's, you're not going to walk into a gym and get fully ripped in the first month, two months, three months. It's going to take time. Uh, I I appreciate you sharing that so much because I do think it's easy to get caught up in looking at people like you who have a successful business and thinking to yourself, gosh, that's not going to happen for me because how do you get there? So knowing that there are going to be those years where you just have to plan to invest in your business and mm-hmm. not make a dime, but you, you'll figure it out, work a nine to five. There are ways to do it, that there is a grind and a hustle yeah. involved, but eventually you reach stability. And, and that's something I want to talk to you about is a lot of creative people sometimes feel like they have to do it all themselves. And you have this wonderful skill of bringing together a group of people who just complement each other so well. Um, I really admire the team you have at We Create Media. And I'm Mm. wondering on your website, it said that our team at We Create is a true melting pot of American diversity powered by a Midwestern heart. I love that so much, Um, especially being from the Midwest. We need more places that uplift Midwestern talent instead of being pushed out to New York or LA. So I appreciate yeah. that. And I'm wondering how did you foster that team? What was the day you knew you had to bring on someone else? And how did you go about that to a team of 17 people now? Yeah. Well, um, we got to update our website. We're up to 20 people. Oh my gosh. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's, it's, so what we're doing there is you got to realize that, and this is through, you know, self-education. You realize that like, Hey, if I'm good at making videos, and I'm lit up by making videos, right? I love videos. I love music. This is like that. You get me in a room and I'm, it's over. Someone else is lit up that way about accounting. Mm-hmm. Someone else is lit up that way about sales. I think the thing, the, the common curse of the artist is, it, I mean, I, I'm trying to think of the, the most cordial way to say this, but sometimes it's like, look at my product, mm. you know, not the product of the collective. And I think that's a big switch that we've made was that it's not, it was no longer about what, one person could create. It's about what we could create collectively. And you got to realize that the people infrastructure of managing a project and the details that go into that, the relationships with account managers and how those people can interact, 
all the way through making sure that our bills are paid on time. And there's somebody that's, you know, casting a vision for our company five, 10 years into the future. There's a difference between who a visionary is and what an integrator is. And you got to really kind of define your role and what role you want to play. And by the way, this is not just for someone who wants to start a business. These are people working within businesses as well. And so like there's an entrepreneur and there's an intrapreneur. And often what you can do is you can still have that spirit alive and well at your nine to five. It's going to promote you. It's going to make you grow. It's going to do all these things. And maybe you never even need to go out and do it on your own. Or it prepares you for when you do. Or you have a side hustle, you know, and hopefully, you know, we're at the day and age that if you got a side hustle, go, man, go do it while you're working. And it's not competing with what's happening nine to five, right? So as far as like team, the day, the day I realized, I think was just kind of realizing that like we, when, when it was just the DJ thing, I was DJing a couple hundred events a year, turning down a couple hundred events a year. Wow. And it was like, I can't do it all myself. Realizing that if I could have somebody doing this piece, I could be doing this. And then realizing that they were fulfilled at a high level doing that, something that made me cringe. I heard somebody say that if you are procrastinating on something, you're not meant to do it. So the moments that you find yourself procrastinating, sending out that invoice, networking this thing, find somebody that 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 lights them up and figure out what equitable compensation or dream shared vision you have to say, listen, you love accounting. You love numbers. You handle this part. And this is what I can work out for you. I think a lot of people look at a CEO or a boss and say, man, you have all these people who work for you. It's like, I work for them. You know, like in the end, it's about how I'm, if I'm serving them at the highest level, they're taking care of our clients. They're taking care of our partners. They're taking care of everybody in between. And so that's kind of how all that comes together in my head. Yeah. And I think you set yourself up for success from the beginning by calling it, we create medians, right? You know, it's, it's not Wade yeah. media. It's we yeah. create media. So. That's exactly right. That's yeah. where 27 entertainment was the same thing where again, was I the only DJ for a while? Yeah. But like, mm-hmm. it was not about Wade. It was, right. And it's, it's about what we can do together. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. even those small decisions, I mean, it's not a small decision to name your company, but I, I mean, it sounds like you were intentional from the start to make this something bigger than just yourself, which hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. So how did you know you wanted to start? We create media in Valparaiso, Indiana. Good question. I honestly, there's not a better place, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so I, we've had, because of our history with artists and creatives, they do, they think you, you mentioned like a New York, an LA, a Nashville, a Chicago, like they think that they have to go to these places. And all of a sudden you realize that their opportunities are squandered because they're a little fish in a really big sea. They have such a slow go at it as far as getting to where they really want to be. Here, in my opinion, we were able to create our own path, go after some big opportunities and be the underdog. You know, it turns out people root for the underdog, you know? And, And so to me, you get to forge and create your own path when you're in a place like Valparaiso, Indiana versus being in in LA where the competition can push you. Don't get me wrong. And that's a good thing, but you end up being a little bit of the noise and you, mm-hmm. and you blend in and, and unfortunately you get used to that. How do you surround yourself with the right people to push you? Number one, that's, that's harder to come by in a Valparaiso. Uh, but luckily I have an amazing wife. I have a, I have a awesome coworkers. I have all these things that kind of push me as a human 
but I also, I can't tell you how many people have moved to Nashville or to Denver and have come back. Mm-hmm. They come back twice as strong every single time, but it's, they don't realize what a gem it is to, to be in a place like Valparaiso, Indiana. Absolutely. And I invite listeners to take a look at We Create Media's website because you've had clients like Michigan City in Indiana. You're doing the Indiana campaign for Indiana and Valparaiso, the city of Valparaiso. Like you are creating these connections with your community, with your origin place. And I think that's so powerful and something that would be really difficult to do in LA or New York. Yeah. And, and the truth is we're still competing with LA agencies every day, you know, sure. on a Southern California clients and, you know, New Orleans and Washington, DC, we're all over the country, but yeah, the things that light me up the most is when we can bring that level to mm-hmm. a Michigan city to a yeah. yeah, absolutely. Very cool. You're listening to The Pursuit, the podcast produced by the Junior Board of the National Academy of Television Arts and Sciences Chicago Midwest Chapter. I'm John Owens, the Natta Chicago Midwest Chapter President, and we're very pleased to present the second season of this great podcast. And we're also excited as we prepare for our first live in-person Emmy celebration in three years. It takes place on December 3rd at the Marriott Hotel in downtown Chicago. Before that, we'll be live in person when we announce the nominations for the Emmys. Our 2022 Emmy nominations party takes place on Tuesday, October 11th at the Hubbard Inn, starting at 6.30 that evening. To purchase tickets to the 2022 Emmy nominations party, go to our website at chicagoemmyonline.org. And now, back to the pursuit. So this is a question I like to ask because I think there's a different perspective here just from deciding to stay here and create. Um, how do you define success? Wow. Okay. Um, how do I define success? I think success, it, it's been interesting because we, we set goals and then we get them, right? When you set goals and we get them. And then do I feel different after attaining that goal? I don't know if I do, you know? Mm-hmm. And so uh, I've learned to enjoy success as seeing others succeed, if that makes sense. And so seeing you talk about like the artists and be like, Oh, I'm kind of a solopreneur and I'm going to do this thing. And I'm so happy for those people that can do that. But what I see success is like, you got a promotion here, your creative, whatever you made or whatever you did made a difference and an impact in this particular person or this particular brand or this particular product's life. And so for me, success is the ability to watch others grow, compete. I've been using this analogy with my team lately. Like there's a difference between a babysitter and a coach. My daughter, I have kids that are, my kids are nine, six, and one years old. And my nine-year-old is getting into softball and it's so much fun to watch. And it's so much fun to see her light up about a passion at nine years old. You know, you don't, you don't really get that six years old, five years old, you know, it's, there's other concerns there. Uh, And so, but at nine years old, you know, we still hire babysitters and the goal of the babysitter is survival. That's it. Make sure they're fed, make sure they go to bed, make sure that you are are taking care of. You're checking those task lists and moving forward. A coach on the other hand is making you better, is pushing you to, to a degree that you didn't know you were able to be pushed to creating a more successful environment for you. And so for me, there's this idea of be more of a coach and less of a babysitter 
that's how I'm defining success. I love that. Those are really helpful labels to use when thinking about how you're interacting with the people around you. And yeah, I mean, rising tides floats all boats. I think yeah. that's the saying. Come um, on. Definitely. Right. So with all the work you're doing, um, and it's a lot, I, you know, being a CEO, managing all of these clients and, you know, everything you're doing outside of work as well. Um, I think the pandemic has made us think a lot about work-life balance and burnout, especially mm. creative burnout. Do you, have you experienced burnout and do you have any advice for how to deal with that? Uh, yeah. So I, I don't, I gotta be honest. Like, I don't know if I've experienced burnout, but I, I definitely experienced pain, you know? And I, you know, and so I think when people say balance, I don't know if I, I agree that there's such thing as work-life balance, but a work-life integration and defining boundaries, I think are, are really healthy. I think knowing that getting home and putting my phone down from X time to X time so that I can be present with my kids and give them a hundred percent. That doesn't mean that I don't go back to my laptop at nine 30 when they're in bed. Mm -hmm. And so I have a lot of reasons to wake up every day and I'm very fortunate for that, but I wouldn't ever encourage somebody to be like to have balance in their life, but to have it integrated in your life. And it, honestly, it happens during the day too with our team where, Hey, you have a doctor's appointment, your kid gets sick, whatever. Like we have to give and take on, on from an employer standpoint as well. Yeah. And so there are times where it's like, yeah, this is hard. The pandemic was terrible. 80% of our business was in travel and hospitality, a, a, an industry that we thought would never go away, but turns out a global pandemic will shut it down pretty quick. Yeah. And so, um, you know, finding ways to be more intentional about your time doesn't mean that I'm necessarily balanced. It means that I'm being a little bit more smart of how I'm integrating my work life and my, and my personal life. Yeah. And I think that word integration is a great way to frame it, um, especially because it seems like that has worked for you in preventing burnout, at least severe burnout. And, you know, that's valuable for folks to think about is how to make their work and life work together. Um, yeah, we, I think as a society, there's a disintegration in work, life, family, whatever. And, and being in people are like, well, who are you at work versus who you're at home? Like I'm the same human. Yeah. I'm a hundred percent weight, you know? And so, and it just feels more genuine. You know, mm -hmm. like, and I think our clients and, and our team members, they aren't getting an unexpected human on the other end. Foundationally, I have some very specific values that I want to live and stand by. That's true in the home. That's true. That's true at work. That's true with my friends. And so what am I doing to make sure that I'm following a set of core values, not necessarily a set of core hours, right? But yeah, there's tough choices along the way, sacrifices of things the other way around that contribute to some of those pains, you know, yeah. that I was talking about. Absolutely. You know, when you were talking about that, it made me think about uh, one, one of the pains I think that artists and creative people can feel is um, when they're receiving negative or constructive feedback about their work and feeling, taking it very personally because- oh, yeah because our creativity is so ingrained in who we are. Do you have advice for how to take feedback well? And um, yeah, yeah. I think that the minute you fall more in love with your product than you do with the people receiving your product is the minute you start going backwards. Mm -hmm. If you're creating for yourself and someone's criticizing you, dude, I created this for me. This isn't for you. Don't take that personally. Cause it's for me. And you know, like, and so if I sit down and write a song, 
it's for me, I'm not going to care if someone criticizes it because it's not for you, man. You're not the, you're not the intended tar- target, but yeah. if it's a business and you need a customer, the minute you fall more in love with, no, this, this technique is better because X, Y, Z and the client doesn't agree and they're criticizing or what, what have you, you got to have that thick skin per se to, mm-hmm. to listen. And you might know they're wrong. Listen, like that happens all the time. Like, no, you're wrong, but I'm not here to tell you're wrong. <laughs> like I'm here to sure. make this what it is. But I think too often as creatives, we fall more in love with our product than we do the service we're offering. And so you got to, you got to really reframe that idea of criticism. The other thing that we see a lot is people are specifically artists, sorry, artists, um, (laughs) artists can be, think criticism gives them credibility. Hmm. And when you realize that that is just not the case, right? Like being critical does not give you credibility. Credibility comes from experience and pushing something forward. And Hey, listen, this was great, but what if just hear me out? You did this. What if you did, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, this is how movies are made. These are how the best selling albums in the world are created. This is how life works. It's not a person, Ed Sheeran, who's like number one on Spotify right now. Mm-hmm. It's not him in a guitar in a dark closet. He's got producer after producer, after writer, after writer, Elton John freaking calls him, right? Like, it's like, yeah. you got to realize that as artists, you have to be open to constructive feedback and the ability to elevate what your idea is. And that's what's going to make everybody win and make everything better in the end. That's a great question to ask yourself when you receive a piece of feedback from a client that hurts a little bit is who am I truly making this for? And maybe if the answer is you're making it for yourself, maybe you do need to do something outside of client work for yourself and fill that cup. So yes, I appreciate that. Well, Wade, you've been so generous with your time and insights, and I've learned so much from you, and I can't wait for our audience to hear this. Do you have any lingering advice or anything else you'd like to share for emerging creatives listening? Keep doing it. That's it. <laughs> like, it, it, it might not happen for you today. It might happen tomorrow. And the next day, it might all fail again. So just keep doing it. Thank you so much to Wade for coming on the podcast. It was an absolute honor and joy hearing about his career journey from aspiring doctor to DJ to CEO of his own marketing agency. You know, I have a special affinity for entrepreneurs in the creative industries because we really do all have to learn how to sell ourselves in our creative minds. So whether that's learning to pitch yourself for a full-time TV producing gig or pitching your craft to potential clients, I think our creative entrepreneurs can lend some amazing advice for how to position ourselves in this crazy industry. (laughs) You know, I especially appreciated Wade's advice to define who you're communicating with, whether that's your customer as a freelancer, your audience as a filmmaker, or your company as an interviewee, your pursuits will be strengthened by defining your who. And finally, I really admire how Wade has positioned his businesses and his pursuits around the value of serving other people. That kind of altruistic perspective really gives purpose to the work that we do as creatives and and keeps the work that we're doing focused, effective, and meaningful. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please share this episode with any emerging creatives that you know, and most importantly, keep creating. This has been The Pursuit, a Natus Junior Board podcast.